On this week's episode, I get to go from the past to the present all the way to 2060 with my first guest. Also, new music was provided by Taylor Robinette. Are you ready? Welcome to the Church 2060 podcast, where we talk about all things church, where we've been, what we've learned, and where we're going. I'm Mike Brewer. Welcome, everyone, to episode six. Today, we get to do something a little bit different. I have with me a special guest, and his name is Pastor Spencer Robinette, and we are going past, present, and all the way to 2060. Spencer, how you doing, man? Doing well, Mike. Thank you for having me on. Hey, hey no problem. Happy to have you. I, I want to introduce you with your correct title, but it's so long, I don't know what it is, and I don't want to butcher it, so if you would... Give us your your title. <laughs> as far as at the church that I'm at now? Yes. Uh, so I guess technically I'm the pastor of worship, young adults, and church multiplication. All right. Three so totally separate things that are all kind of combined, I guess. <laughs> right. Right. So so what the, the secret here is Spencer and I are actually ministry partners. I, uh, I've worked for Spencer for probably four years now. Yeah. We planted a church together and now we're working at another church yeah. here in Cincinnati and we're basically doing the same work just from, from a new home. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been so, a yeah. fun journey. Right. So, so give us a little bit idea of what, uh, your day to day looks like in your ministry. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I'm somebody that, and we'll kind of touch into this probably a little bit later, but. Uh, as we dive deeper into this, but you know, I'm, I'm definitely somebody that cares a lot about relationships. And so, you know, I try and fill most of my day to day with people, um, whether that's, you know, doing some worship stuff, you know, and, and whether that's, uh, practice recording, just jamming with people, uh, or doing even some discipleship, you know, with our team members, you know, that kind of stuff, whether if it's young adults, you know, I just try and fill my time with, you know, meeting with people. And I, I think for me personally, that's, that's what fills my cup. That's what I feel like I'm called to do. Uh, it's just kind of walk along, walk this life alongside of people and try and figure out who this Jesus person is together. So that's cool. That's, I love that's that. That's basically it. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're new to the show or if this is the, the, the uh, or if you haven't really got the concept yet, the, uh, the idea here is that we talk about an issue in the church, or generally, so far it's been me who talk about an issue in the church, and I give my perspective on it from where we've come from, what we're learning, and then in the end, chose the year 2060, because I knew in the year 2060, I would either be dead or sitting somewhere staring at a wall drooling. And It's very positive. Yes. So, <laughs> But I wanted to look back at that age and know that... Uh, you know, as we as we navigate through the times in the church, and we know that the church has been in a steep decline for a long time, I wanted to be able to look back at that arbitrary year of 2060 and say, you know what, we either put a dent in it because we actually took the time to stop and learn from from what was happening, or maybe even 
reverse the curve or change the curve to where we're, to where we're making some headway. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to go into that in your ministry. Uh, but first I really would like to hear a little bit more from you. If you would tell us just a little bit about how you came to faith and how you got into ministry in the first place. Yeah. The quick, it's a very long story. Um, but the quick version <laughs> is, uh, I, I actually grew up in the church. My dad is a pastor. I, you know, was in and around church and church leadership my whole life. By the time I came to faith, you know, I kind of one of those, not not to uh, speak negatively to this because I believe it was very real for me, but kind of one of those stereotypical, you know, I got saved at a young age, uh, but I didn't really engage my faith until middle of high school. And then uh, I ended up going to Liberty University. Um, and at that time, when I first showed up at, at uh, school, I I wanted to be uh, in pastoral leadership. That was the degree that I was going for. I was pastoral leadership. I lasted about two years, uh, four semesters in that degree. And for whatever reason, uh, I was like, this is not for me. You know, I grew up in it. My dad was a pastor. He's, again, like I said, he's, uh, he's an incredible person, somebody that I, I've always looked up to. You know, I felt like that was what I was supposed to do also. You know, I felt like that was also my calling. And But then again, like I said, two, about two years into the degree, I was just like, nope, this isn't for me. I actually switched to sport management and um, kind of then started this new dream of wanting to work in the realm of professional soccer. I married my wife uh, about the same time, actually, that I switched degrees. We got married at 20. We were both uh, going into our junior year of college. For whatever reason, I just really felt like, you know, the full-time ministry route wasn't for me. And, you know, I was still very much engaged in my faith. And it wasn't necessarily like I was slipping away from that. But I think one of the things that did happen was my schoolwork very much became my relationship with Jesus. You know, I didn't find myself uh, spending much time in the Word or engaging my faith at all outside of my classwork. And I've always been one that's never really enjoyed school, <laughs> and so I think I uh, just can. <laughs> so I think just connecting those two um, for whatever for whatever reason for me just just didn't work. So that's one of the reasons I, I you know I dropped out of that and moved to sport management. So I actually have a, a degree. My my college degree is actually in sport management. Um, but right before I graduated, I got a phone call from a good friend uh, back in Cincinnati. He said, hey, you know, we're looking for our church is looking for a youth pastor uh, and your name came up. Are you at all interested in applying for this position? And I, and I had to say, well, you know, I'm, I'm not really interested anymore. You know, I'm, I'm kind of going the sports route now. But for whatever reason, you know, my wife, Katie, and I both felt like I needed to at least uh, be open to that opportunity. Felt like it was uh, potentially a door, a door that God opened for us. And uh, so I, I went ahead and applied, you know, I went through the process. And, uh, you know, I found out after I had gotten the job, I found out, you know, a few months later that I was by far the least qualified person <laughs> that they had <laughs> that they had interviewed for uh, from resume to interview everything i was the least qualified person um, yeah, that's how i still feel every day when I <laughs> Uh, but they really felt like um, God was telling them that I was the guy. And so, uh, so that was a big deal to me. And so I, I jumped into that job right out of college, moved back to Cincinnati. And it was a little town called Blanchester outside of Cincinnati. And 
started um, a youth pastor career. And so I had no idea what I wanted to do uh, with that or, or after that. I didn't know how long I was going to be in that. Uh, but I gave it my all and I built a lot of good friendships and a lot of good relationships with, with my students, which you know I still have uh, with many of them today. And, and uh, about three years into that job was when I really felt a call to plant. And I had never, ever, I mean, it was out of nowhere. I had never thought once, quite frankly, I didn't even know much about church planting. Like that whole concept, the whole idea of starting a new church, you know, was really foreign to me. But I felt a call to plant and uh, stepped away from the church that I was at as a youth pastor and uh, began that journey. And that's kind of when you and I met. And so that's, I guess, a little bit of, of where I came from. And we planted, you know, what was that, two and a half years ago? We started that process almost three years ago. Yeah, I think right? so. Right about there, yeah. Three years ago, we started that process. And we've since kind of merged that plant with another church with the sole purpose of planting more churches in Cincinnati. And so it's been a, a pretty cool journey and uh, definitely not one that I expected, not one that I anticipated. It's not at all what I saw for myself. But I think God has a way of revealing his direction to us, even when it's not what we think. So, Right. Right. Well, that's cool. Uh, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I kind of want to change gears now as, as looking at your perspective on the church and where what you've seen, not just in church leadership, but growing up. I want to take a look. I want to go back in time and get your perspective on the decline in the church. Like, what do you think has led to this situation where we're in, where we're, where we're finding ourselves in an area where 80% of the churches in this country are in decline or plateaued, or or this this idea that almost 5,000 churches a year are shutting their doors permanently. It's a it's a frightening situation, and my my hope is as we have these discussions, we we think about it and process it, and we listen to what we're hearing and learn from our mistakes. But what do you think has led to the decline in your, in your opinion, or at least in your perspective? Yeah. You know, I think for me, the, uh, what I've seen a lot is, is there's a lot of churches that are very experience driven. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, they they very much promote, Hey, come join us and experience the presence of God or come join us and, you know, experience this, this moment or this time of worship, you know, with our church or, and it's very just, you know, one experience to the next experience. And there's not a lot of depth in that because this life that we've been called to live with Jesus is a lifestyle. It's a, it is a, it's a full all in thing. It's not a God, I need you in this moment and then I'm going to let you go. But when I need you again, you better show up kind of thing. It's a, this is an everyday 24 seven relationship that we need to have with Jesus and, and I almost use that word experience and, uh, <laughs> and be with, you know, Jesus in the midst of, and, and I just think there's a lot of churches that uh, are promoting this kind of one experience to the next. And I think it's leaving a lot of people wanting more. And I think it's leaving a lot of people almost helpless in those in-between moments, like in the in-between experiences. Like, uh, it's great to meet with Jesus on Sunday, uh, but what about Monday through Saturday? You know, and I think a lot of churches, sadly, even if they have small groups, even if they have different things that are going throughout the week, this, this, this terminology of this idea of going from one experience to the next, I think is, is leaving some people wanting more. And so I think that's one thing. The other thing too is, you know, I think we've seen for a long time, churches kind of like each individual church is normally built on the back of one person, uh, one leader. And 
I think scripture is very clear that we are all, you know, even though God places leaders in church or in position over, you know, different church communities, we are all a part of the body. We all should work together. And a lot of times I think when you have one leader who is so revered at the top, he's the guy that, you know, kind of like Samuel was in the Old Testament. You know, everybody, all, all of Israel knew Samuel as the guy that Jesus or that God spoke to, right? And, and you know, and that worked for them in that time because God was using Samuel to transition the Israelites. But for us today, with the presence of the Holy Spirit and the call that God gives each and every one of us, we all are a part of this thing together. And I think we can get into trouble when we see, when we start to, you know, kind of almost see the the person at the top, whoever the, the lead pastor is, almost as the Jesus figure for the rest of the church. And that's just not healthy. I think scripture, one of the things that you and I have tried to do is kind of use what we read in Ephesians 4, sort of that you have the, the, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the teachers, the shepherds, and God gives those gifts to multiple people, not to one person. And so I think for a long time, church you know, elders and as people are looking for new pastors, they try and find one guy that displays the, as many of those gifts to the best of their ability as possible, when really that's not how God designed it. I don't believe. I believe God really gives those gifts to multiple people and we need to work, you know, interdependently as leaders. And uh, I think that's, uh, I think that's one of the things that's, that's held the church up as well. Well, I like that you say that because I really feel like what you've just said, I, I see model in the book of Acts. Uh, you see the, the 12 start out along with, of course, it says along with the women and their family. You know, they're all on the same mission, right? They're all right. disciples. Right. And then from there, you see churches born, leaders being developed all the time, elders being made, churches right. planted. Uh, so, so, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And there's a lot of danger in that, too, when you, when you leave one person in charge. Yeah. Anything can go wrong. And uh, I've talked about it in past episodes, but I've lived through that, th- those moments where you've got one guy that controls everything and then everything can come crashing down. So, yeah, I mean, I think we see a lot of, you know, that that's the, the problem that we see with churches that have one main leader and that leader has some sort of moral failing, then the whole church crumbles and just it disintegrates. Whereas, you know, if, if there's a church that's leadership is designed and functions the way that I believe God has, has created it to, you know, then if somebody has a, fall short, then, you know, there's still more people that can really continue to help move the body forward and nurture and care for and help restore that person, um, but also care for the body. And, but when you just have one guy at the top and he falls, then everything falls and there's nobody to take care of the rest. Yeah. Plus I, I, in my, in my mind, it's just smarter too to have multiple people each using their own strength. Yeah. If you have one guy that's really good at preaching and teaching on Sunday mornings, that's fantastic. You need that. But I see a lot of cases where that's not the guy that, that can do individual discipleship. Right. It's not a guy that can lead worship. It's not a guy that can teach classes. It's a, it's a, it's a dynamic where we've been given these abilities, these gifts. And if we don't take advantage of it, we're going to miss things. Yeah. So I'm, I'm yeah. right there with you. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think God knew what he was doing when he gave us all different giftings and abilities, right? Right. Because he created the body to be in relationship with one another. If we don't start submitting to those around us who have have giftings in areas where we don't, you know, then we're going to miss out on, on what God's trying to do in the whole, right? And so, yeah, I think it's, it's, I don't know. I just, I feel like that's been one thing that I've seen 
over and over again in the church, even historically. I mean, I'm young, right? I'm a young leader. Are you 14? Yeah, 15, actually. 15, okay. 15 and a half. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I'm 28. And so, uh, you know, I've I've only been in this game for a little while, but it's, it's sad when you get into it, even as a young leader, when you get into it, it's sad how your eyes are opened to really what the struggles in the church as a whole have been for a long time. Yeah. So that that's a good segue into question number two, and it sounds like you might be answering it, but we'll, I'll throw the question in, the question to you anyway. What are you learning at this point that is affecting your experience and and your and what you've noticed from the past? Uh, yeah, that's good. I, um, I, I think it's it is very much what I've been saying. I think a lot of it is a one. Jesus is is drawing me closer and closer in relationship with him every day. And I'm realizing uh, and learning more and more. This is kind of back to the first thing that I said a minute ago, but I'm realizing more and more that my relationship with him is not at all uh, a one experience to the next. It's very much an everyday thing. Um, And so I'm trying to one, live my life that way and lead other people in the midst of that too, which has been really cool. And then uh, the second thing, one of the things that I'm learning the most as far as what it means to uh, submit to one another really is that this is not like a Oh, a weakness thing. You know, I think a lot of times we we think, you know, that that word submission kind of has a, a negative tone to it, you know, a weak tone to it. Um, but really, you know, God designed the church to be fully in relationship with one another and fully in relationship with him. That's where we experience true unity. That's where we experience true, true joy, you know, as Jesus prayed in John 17. And and so because of that, and if we want to experience the fullness of what God has for us as a community, we have to be willing to, to submit to one another and lean on one another, trust in one another, and recognize that God has given all of us different giftings and different abilities. And there are some people that are going to be good in one thing and, and, and some people that are going to be good in another. And if we can all work together, I think we can impact our communities for Jesus in a greater way. Uh, I think a lot of times we put people in certain positions where and and tell them, you know, you got to meet these goals, even within the church, you got to meet these goals, you got to reach these people, you got to figure out how to get into the community in this way. But maybe that person that you put in charge of that is not gifted with the things necessary to make that happen. Uh, And so you're just going to see them fail. But what happens when you put more people around that are have all the different giftings and abilities to achieve what needs to be achieved? I think that it's in the midst of that that, again, we can experience the fullness of what God wants for us and the fullness of how God wants us to impact the community around us. Uh, and so I think for, for me, it's uh, we have to figure out how to uh, work better with one another, uh, get our pride out of the way. I think I think that's a big deal. The Bible often speaks towards, you know, the downfall that pride has in in us. We got to let that go. We got to love one another, serve one another, just be uh, allow God to use us and our giftings with one another to reach the communities around us for him. Let's take a quick break to talk about something very important. Are you a church leader that deals with the church's finances? Do you find that a good deal of time is taken up dealing with bookkeeping? It's unavoidable. Between giving, giving statements, bookkeeping, payroll, deductions, direct deposit, your time is precious. It seems like too much time can be swallowed up dealing with these issues while ministry opportunities can be missed. It happens to all of us. Or maybe your situation is one where there just needs to be a change. It's a very big deal to have someone who is fully invested and understands the liabilities involved. 
Did you know that more money is lost through bad bookkeeping than is spent annually on global missions? That's a true story. These reasons are why I want to tell you about Evermore Financial Services. Evermore Financial is owned and operated by ministry partners. They are both church planters. And that matters because they understand the struggle and have come to specialize in handling church finances. Evermore Financial offers customizable solutions for all church accounting needs, whether it's online giving, giving statements, payroll, direct deposit, payroll deductions, housing allowance, or even W-2s. Whatever the needs are, the staff at Evermore understands and are ready to help. If this sounds like your needs too, whether it's today or three months from now, we want to talk. Your time is valuable to the kingdom and Evermore Financial is here for you. And did I mention that the owners of Evermore Financial actually do care about the financial success of your ministry? They do. They really do. For your peace of mind, Evermore is invested in current technology to make sure that your convenience, privacy, and security are always a top priority. Through our cloud-based accounting software, you can have immediate and always up-to-date access to any of your accounts from anywhere, anytime. Your peace of mind and accessibility are important to us, so we always want you to have easy access to your books. While we can assist any business that is looking to grow, Evermore Financial Services specializes in nonprofits, particularly church planning and operations. Don't just take our word for it. Check out this testimonial from a local church. Evermore Financial Services continues to be a fantastic partner of ours. Not only are they consummate professionals in all of their interactions, but they provide us with a personal touch in helping us to manage and plan our financial strategy. Their attention to detail is a strong point in their process, and they are incredibly proactive, helping us to anticipate and plan for financial events. Their integrity is impeccable. If you have a church, nonprofit, or a small business that could benefit from a financial supporter, you would be well served to partner with Evermore Financial Services. If it sounds like this could be a fit for your needs, let me know. If you're thinking that this might be a need down the road, we want to hear from you. We get it. If you have any questions or you're ready to talk, email me. I am Mike at EvermoreFS.com. That's Mike at E-V-E-R-M-O-R-E-F-S.com. We're looking forward to hearing from you. And in the meantime, check us out at EvermoreFS.com. You said something a few minutes ago as you were as you were headed down this road, and it reminded me of something you said in a sermon a few times. And I'll it was probably uh, very profound. It was well, it probably got censored who knows um but you you uh and i'm just gonna i'm just gonna quote you and then uh i'll just have you elaborate on it but you said do you actually have a quote of me right there not written down no it's in my oh, okay i have it it's in your head it was locked, that impactful locked away yeah you've had a few <laughs> sermons that were pretty impactful um oh, good you said and you know what as i'm quoting this i think you were quoting a scripture and i'm just not spiritual enough to remember that that was a scripture off the top of my head you said not to get caught up so much in scripture. Yes, this was a scripture you were quoting. Not to get caught up so much in scripture that you miss out on Jesus. And yeah. you made a you made a big point to go along with that. So could you could you just share? And it's not now. I know I know listeners that it's not that Spencer hates scripture. He does not. But there's a there's a whole whole point and story to that. Yeah. Uh, without having. I should have the Bible in front of me and I don't right now, <laughs> but uh, I think it's somewhere in John five or six. I can't remember, but anyways, Jesus is talking with some religious leaders and the, uh, the religious leaders basically come to him and they're like, Jesus, look, we know the scripture. Like we memorize it. We have to memorize it right to, and know it so well to be in the position that we are like, don't, don't worry about it. We got, we got the scripture. And Jesus said, 
um, something along again, obviously this is a paraphrase. Jesus said something along the lines of, you know, it's great that you know the scripture, but you don't know me. And I think that that has been so impactful for me because a lot of times I think we put so much weight in, 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 well, let me say it this way. The scripture does not save you. Jesus saves you. Relationship with Jesus is where we find our salvation. The scripture is the one, it is, is one of the greatest proponents that leads us to Jesus and gives us full understanding of who Jesus is and why he came. And, and so don't get me wrong, like scripture is, is a huge part of this, but scripture is not what saves you. Jesus saves you. And so I think uh, a lot of times we can get so caught up in sort of, you know, this checklist of, okay, I read my Bible today, I read my Bible today, check it off, check it off. And, and we're actually missing out on a relationship with Jesus. Like sometimes we just go into those moments and we're like, all right, I got to get this done. Got to read, read my Bible, got to read the scripture. And we miss Jesus. And I, I just feel like, I think, again, the scripture is so clear that, that relationship with Jesus is very much that, a relationship, just like the relationship that I have with my wife. There needs to be intimacy with Jesus. There needs to be daily connection and communication with Jesus. If I go days without talking to my wife, Katie, you know what I mean? Like, She's super happy? <laughs> maybe. No? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not good, right? That's, right. Not, that's not okay. And, uh, and there's going to be you know, misunderstanding and there's going to be hurt and there's going to be all this different stuff. Like Our relationship with Jesus needs to be viewed the same. And you know, Jesus needs to be our first love, right? And so I think, again, I just think that's so. When Jesus said, it's great that you know the scripture, but you don't know me, mm. I was like, man. Like that's yeah. it, like that that right there. I feel like so many people are caught up in uh, this head knowledge of scripture. Yeah, but they haven't let the relationship with Jesus transform or transfer rather to to their heart and relationship with Him. And yeah, uh, I see a lot of people that are ready to debate all the time because they they right. think they've got all of it down. But right, but you know, you mentioned earlier that you you found that that this life's more about spending time with Jesus than it is about getting doing anything else. Right. And, and, and just to touch on that real quick, because you got me fired up when you said that, <laughs> we spend so much time, for whatever reason, we spend so much time debating with one another about you know, what Scripture says or about this theology over that theology or this doctrine over that doctrine. We spend so much time debating on that that we are missing opportunity to lead people who are desperate for Jesus in a relationship with Him. Like we spend so much time arguing with one another that there are people right outside our door desperate for relationship with Jesus, desperate for the hope and the comfort and peace of Jesus. But because we're caught up arguing and debating about whatever stupid thing it is, not that scripture is stupid, but the debate's right. stupid, we're, we're missing those opportunities. And, and quite frankly, to take it a step farther, none of us are really going to know the answer until mm. God decides to reveal it himself. So why are we wasting time arguing about it when there are people lost, broken, desperate in this world for relationship? With, and the only thing that we know can cure them of their, their desperation is Jesus. And we're just caught up arguing with each other about stupid stuff. And we need to be telling people about Jesus. It's just, oh my gosh, it gets me so frustrated. That's fantastic. I'm glad I got you fired up a little. Thank so, you. Yeah, thank you. I so, need a little fire in my veins today. So if I could, <laughs> with less fire, recap what I, what I think I'm hearing from you is that what you're learning is that one, things are about relationship with Jesus. Two, yeah. uh, we need to be able to focus, the church needs to be able to focus interdependently on leadership, relying on each other's skills. 
yeah able to get the work the work done we need to get done yeah and not just even not even just in leadership i think that's a i think that's like if we're going to get specific into one of the downfalls of the church i think that's a big part of it but you know interdependence with one another as well within the community uh, what so excites you, me about that is uh, this podcast seems like it's based on the entire premise of negativity, but I'm really optimistic, <laughs> when I, especially when I hear things like that. I'm really optimistic about the future. Like people are getting it. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I hate the old, the old addition by subtra- subtraction quote, but or the saying, but sometimes some things do need to go away in order for things to, to be born new, right? Yeah. For new creation to show up. Sometimes old ideas and habits and negativity and sometimes some of the some of the buildings that have four people in them that refuse right. to change need to move on too. So before for something new to come from it. So so that's optimistic to me, um that's exciting to me what you're yeah. what you're saying because we're learning from the mistakes we've made. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think I just think we can get so caught up in tradition. Not that tradition is necessarily a bad thing, but if we let if we allow tradition to become what drives us, then we're gonna miss. I mean, like God is a creative God. You know what I mean? Like God is yeah. is, and, and so there's going to be things in the future that He's he, every day He is creating or has created things for us to step into, new things for us to step into. And if we get so caught up in in trying to just rest in old tradition, we're going to miss the new things that God wants us to step into. And uh, all found in Scripture. I'm not saying that you know these new things are outside of Scripture. I'm saying. You know, there are just new things every day, new new ways that God wants us to reach people for Him, new ways that God wants us to serve our commu- the communities around us, new ways that God wants us to deepen relationships with those uh, in, in, in our church and our communities and whatever. Um, but if we get so caught up in tradition, we're going to miss those opportunities. That's fantastic. I love it. So let's fast forward now. It's the year 2060. Spencer, Pastor Spencer Robinette is now. 40 no 68 years old yeah yeah that beard is gray yes the haircut's probably changed all the hair you have on top is probably moved to the sides and back it's just a reverse right your glasses now have the line in them (laughs) that turn into bifocals as we as we have that we just transitioned off a positive note right we fast forward to the year 2060 the hope is that by these conversations by learning from our mistakes that we put it, that we make a change to that. What change does Spencer Robinette want to see in 2060 as he looks back and, and is finished with his work? What change is he looking to see that actually helped move the curve? In, in Acts 2, it says that, in, in Acts 2, 42 through 47, I believe, it says that the people sold all their possessions to care for one another. The people basically gave everything that they had to make sure that the, the needs of those around them were met. Um, for me, I think one of this, the, the biggest things in, in the, the church as a whole, and, and I'll stay with, within the, the Church of America um, because that's you know, the context that I know the most and where I, you know, I think we see a lot of the biggest problems. For whatever reason, I feel like we have not embraced that, that idea of you know, Philippians 2, putting the needs of others before your own. And like we, we see Jesus, like Jesus is the greatest example of sacrifice and humility that we have to look to. He is the example that we should be following. Yet for whatever reason, I think we as Christians have a tendency to not fully want to give everything of ourselves to the needs of those around them. 
And, uh, or, or oftentimes again, as I was kind of mentioned a few minutes ago, we get caught up in whatever pride issue we have that we don't allow those around us to shine, uh, the way God has created them to. And I think that if we're going to see crazy change, I think if we're going to see, you know, big change as far as the church goes, I think if the church wants to make as a whole wants to make improvements by year 2060, we have to do a better job at sacrificing ourselves sacrificing our time sacrificing whatever selling our possessions for the needs of those around us again we live in a world that is especially in the context of of our day today with this COVID-19 coronavirus stuff going around we live in a world where I think people are desperate now more than ever to find some hope to find some peace to find some comfort if we as the church aren't willing to say Even though I don't know who you are, I will give whatever I have to give. I will do whatever I have to do to lead you to this, to serve you, help you, and lead you to this person named Jesus. If we're not willing to do that, we're going to miss out on a huge opportunity. And I think as a whole, you know, I think we see, and don't get me wrong, you and I have talked about this before, within within our world, the church, the, the Christian faith is one of the most uh, benevolent communities of people. And that's statistically proven. So don't get me wrong. It's not like we're completely failing, but I feel like, you know, there's just within that statistic, there's probably a handful of leaders at the top that are just, that are very benevolent and control all the money and just give, you know, give it away. And that's where those stats are coming from. But as you get into the greater community of us as Christians, especially today in 2020, there is a lot that we hold close to our chest that we don't allow others to see or others to have or others to possess. Uh, There's a lot that we hold close that we aren't willing to, to let go of, to serve the greater need of those around us. And, um, I just think we got to do a better job of sacrificially serving the community around us, sacrificially serving one another within the church and sacrificially serving those outside of the church, opening up the door for them to come in and meet Jesus. I mean, that's the goal. You know what I mean? That's everything we do in this life as Christians should be, should be leading people to Jesus. And by being exclusive, by, by being uh, judgmental by being prideful, uh, by by not being humble and not not seeing in all things the needs of others before your own. Uh, we're not going to experience the fullness of what God has for us, and and there's going to be a lot of people that uh, we're missing the opportunity to lead to Jesus because of it. Yeah, I, I love what you're saying. I feel like one of the things we miss about Jesus and his ministry was that he was completely inclusive. There wasn't a people group that he shied away from. There wasn't right. there was someone unclean enough for him. There wasn't a child that he would let people shut up. Right. He was, he was here for everybody and didn't mind letting anybody know that. And then I, I, when, I, when I think of Acts 2, 42 to 47, one of the things that stands out to me is that, that that account specifically says that because of what the disciples were doing, the way the believers and the body of the church were acting and behaving and taking care of the community, they gained, it says they gained favor with the community. Right. How rare of a situation is that nowadays for you to look out and see that a church is gaining favor with the community? Come on. Right. I mean, what does it say? Thousands of people were added to their number daily. Daily. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and granted, we live in a different time and a different cultural context. And I understand that. But at the same time, we are f- failing as the church 
being the love and light of, of Jesus to our communities. There, we are not seeing, and granted, I'll, I'll, you know, just, just uh, take the blame myself and go personal here. Like, there's definitely more that I could be doing. There's definitely opportunities that I miss, but I'm pretty open with my relationship with Jesus. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I try, and I'm not trying to like get points right here because I know I fail, but you know, I try pretty hard. And there's, there's still a lot of, of, of uh, people that just aren't giving of themselves or being aware to the opportunities that God has presented them to be the love and light of Christ to the people around them. And we're failing in, in the game uh, as far as, as people coming to know Jesus. You know, I would be, I would love to see thousands of people come to know Jesus daily uh, in my context. Right. In our, in, in our context and local churches context, we get excited if someone new stops by. Exactly. Not we do. We've we wouldn't even know what to do if a thousand people showed up. We'd probably turn them away, or well, something two, equally ridiculous. Well, and two, we get excited if a Christian shows, you know, stops by. Right. You know we what should, I mean? Like it's not even. It's not even. All we're doing as the church, the local church, is just passing believers around. We get excited when we have ten, you know, new people at our church, and I'll bet you a hundred dollars that nine and a half of those 10 people are already believers, if not all 10. And so, and so we are, and we get excited about that. And I'm thinking there is, as I've already mentioned a hundred times, there is a, a million people in our community desperate to know Jesus that don't know him at all, desperate to experience the hope. And the, even if they don't know that the hope and the comfort comes from Jesus, they're def, desperate to, to be a part of something. And we are failing at drawing those people in. We get excited about a new, you know, uh, a new person showing up at a church that's already a believer. And then, yeah. a non, and then an unbeliever shows up at our church and we don't know what to do about it. You get <laughs> yeah. Like, You're like freaked out. You know what I mean? Right. And, uh, and I just, man, we're missing an opportunity left and right, I think. Yeah, I know uh, some people are numbers people and some aren't. I, I'm, I like statistics and I know that statistics do not tell the whole story, but they do tell a story. The numbers, when you break them down, of churches that are actually creating disciples and, and creating converts is less than 2% in this country. Wow. wow. And that's hard, to, that's hard to switch the stomach as a church yeah. leader. Yeah, that, that's hard for me to hear. So. And that's, in, you know, uh, that's at the fault of us as leaders. Mm. You know, I think we, and I'll take that for sure. You know, I, I I know that I've missed opportunity to uh, you know, disciple leaders and train leaders effectively to make more disciples. That's on us. You know, we have, we have to do a better job. You know, I say like in the midst of the context of this conversation, you know, I get heated about stuff and I, you know, and I have all of these thoughts and opinions, but I'm at fault in them too. And, and I, we need to do a better job at, at actually doing what God's called us to do as leaders and train disciples, raise leaders up and um, make more disciples. All right. Well, I think that's a good place. I feel like there's three big takeaways I've gotten from you today. And number one is intimacy with Jesus, spending time with him, realizing that it's about a relationship, not about work. And number two, um, you can, you can go ahead and correct me if I'm wrong there, if I'm picking up something wrong there. No, that's good. I was just going to say, you know, uh, out of intimacy with Jesus comes everything else. Yeah. Intimacy, intimacy with Jesus is first out of that, you know, comes everything else. That's perfect. And then the other, the, the other takeaway was 
as a church, we need to be dependent on each other for our skills that we and gifts we've been given in order to carry out the work of the kingdom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah, we just we have to do a better job of setting our pride aside and saying, you know what, that person's better at that than I am. Let's you know submit to them. Let's listen to them. Let's lean on them, and uh, and I feel like we'll get more done. Awesome. And then looking forward, uh, you you talked a lot about generosity, about us meeting meeting each other's needs and 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 the needs of the community. So. I love every bit of that. If, uh, if there's anything we missed, um, I guess we missed it. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's good. I like that statement. That's pretty yeah. profound, huh? Yeah, I like that. If there's anything we missed, uh, guess we missed it. <laughs> <laughs> so Spencer, tell us how we can connect with you online uh, or, or uh, if we wanted to visit your church. Where would we, how would we do that? I'm aiming for a hundred thousand Instagram followers and uh, I'm currently at like four. So by five o'clock, can help me out. Yeah. yeah. Five o'clock. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. You can find me, you know, online, um, Instagram, Facebook, Spencer Robinette. And then our church is Calvary Alliance church. Well, the website is calvaryalliancechurch.org. From there, you can uh, kind of take a look at all the different stuff that we're doing. I'm pretty pumped for the days ahead. And, uh, you know, we have taken a road as I kind of mentioned at the beginning and, uh, but Mike and I are on a journey together where, you know, we're just trying to make an impact in, in our city here in Cincinnati. Uh, and we believe that the local church, uh, is, is the, the conduit, the con, is that how you say that? The conduit. Conduit. Yes. You got it. Second <laughs> I, think time. I, <laughs> I think I added an N in there somewhere. Yep. Conduit. Anyways, the <laughs> conduit that, uh, that, God desires to use to bring the love, light, and hope of Jesus to our communities. And so we're just trying to plant more churches. We're trying to open up more doors. We're trying to meet, reach more people. And uh, so you can learn a little bit about what we're doing there on our website as well, CalvaryLineChurch.org. That's fantastic. And one of those things is planting a church during a stay-at-home order, which is going to be a lot right. of fun. Yeah. That's right. It'll be uh, – dude, these are – and you put it best. These are interesting days. And, and you know, we get to write the rule book, the, the playbook right now. Uh, I guess Scripture is the rule book, but we get to write the playbook as far as right. <laughs> as far as what it might look like for us to, to plant a church while nobody can gather together. And uh, so I'm pretty pumped for the days ahead, and we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, so uh, – if you don't mind, I'll have you back on in the future, and we will talk about how that church plant went during a stay-at-home order. And that yeah, be a lot of fun. Good. All right. Yeah, All right. Well, this is it. And Spencer, thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely. And- Love you, dude. Appreciate what you do. I think this podcast is awesome. And uh, even though it scares me every time you release a new episode, because I'm not sure what you're going to say, I'm not sure if you or I both are going to lose our jobs over it. But it's all right. <laughs> and that's and it's exactly why I didn't put the, the church's name on it when I, when I started it and kept it separate. So at least one of us would still have a job at the end of the day. <laughs> I love it, dude. Appreciate it. All right, man. man. Thank you very much. Talk to you later. This has been the Church 2060 Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, please hit subscribe and you will be notified when new episodes drop. Also, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, I am at Church 2060 Online. And until next time, may hope and peace be with you.